What if you had the power to create your own living space by speaking it into existence through one of the emerging open AI tools? Maybe a 3D printer shows up and helps to finish out a basement or add to that room addition. Can we harvest these tools to build sustainable, inexpensive, environmentally friendly living spaces, not just for you and me, but for the most vulnerable among us? Hopefully, we may not be that far from it. This week, I'm joined by Yash Mehta, an architect, among other things, who spans both the traditional discipline in the corporate world, as well as future tech in the not-for-profit world. Yash and I discuss how the scope of an architect is merging with engineering and how the next iteration is evolving with new tools, how it's impacting social issues, and the challenges and opportunities of this evolution in our highly interconnected world. Please lean in and enjoy the conversation with Yash on the next QTS experience. The most valuable commodity on earth today is data, how we make it, use it, move it, and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS experience. Three, two, one. Yash, I'd love to start a conversation with, um, well, first let's talk about architecture. And the reason why I want to start here is like so many things that are being disrupted by technology, um, uh, software tools, whatever, you know, there's all in the news today is chat GPT and Dolly and all these other disruptive tools. We're not going to talk a lot about that. Uh, I don't suspect today, but I would love to start off with what is it either that you're working on or what are the, as an architect, what are the issues that you're trying to solve in the realm of this world of architecture? Are we even understanding it in a traditional way or is that evolving? Uh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, I consider I'm very fortunate because uh, I get to experience uh, architecture and its impact at two different forefronts. Uh, one of them being um, sort of my day job where I work with a company called um, uh, Lamar Johnson Collaborative. Uh, what they do is uh, I get to explore the class A, capital A architecture of skyscrapers and, uh, you know, big buildings and, and university buildings and master planning and so on. Um, and then I also get an opportunity uh, with the nonprofit I run to sort of uh, explore the, the more human aspect of how we can use architecture to impact socially, uh, help mm -hmm. people. Um, and this all started with... Um, you know, to 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 take a step back and understand, uh, you know, the the glass of water mm -hmm. I'm holding in my hand is designed by someone. The mic you're speaking to is designed by someone. The room I'm sitting in is designed. The city, the building, everything is very deliberate, very intentional. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very, very powerful, right? When you fly from one city to another and you you get out at an airport and then you step out and you would see a whole new architecture, a whole new uh, a city, a whole new design, and it, it has some impact on you. Uh, so I think I think architecture has a lot of power. Architecture is constantly evolving. I would say design has a lot of power. Um, there are many other factors which sort of affect it, um, whether we like it or whether we don't like it. Um, but I think it's it's sort of a living organism, right? Something's informing each other how to grow and which direction to grow in. Um, you mentioned not for uh, profit. You and I um, were introduced to each other, I think, or at least you learned of me through um, Maggie Grout in um, her organization, Thinking Huts. It's so cool how the universe uh, arranges sort of you meet one person and you have a great conversation or a great interaction and you get steered into conversations with other people. What is it that uh, do you continue to work with that organization or what does your not for profit do? Yeah, it was uh, uh, Thinking Huts is a wonderful organization. Uh, I think uh, so. The, so my organization, uh, you know, I run it along with two more people, uh, Taruna Gupta and Bruno Silva. Uh, we all founded it together. Um, it's a nonprofit organization, which uh, the mission of it is to kind of use technology to help people. Mm -hmm. And and here, parallelly in the world, uh, there's Maggie, who's also sort of in the similar mission, but she's very specific to. Uh, what area, what region, uh, what she wants to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a great um, collaboration between us. 
uh, and we did our first pilot school in in uh, Africa, Madagascar, uh, at a university where we printed the school, um, a, a classroom, and I think the print time for just the walls was around 18 hours. Um, and now we actually, when we did the pilot and we sort of got it tested and approved and everyone accepted it with love, we are now uh, stepping it up and we're doing a whole new campus with uh, 12 new buildings, uh, sort of 12 new classrooms. Um, and, you know, there has been technological advancement, which is very surprising to me. So it, I think we finished it in 2022, uh, 2022, yep. And between 22 and 23, uh, the printers have evolved and changed, uh, which is super exciting. So the first printer we used was a very gantry type system, which has these sort of four columns and the printer moves like a very typical printer. The one we are working with now is, uh, um, you know, is with a company called Wasp and they have developed a crane structure where you have a crane and there's a robotic arm, which sort of has a nozzle fit into it. Um, and, uh, you know, the printer has the capacity or cap capability to actually print with soil and clay and cement and lime. So it's more sustainable. We are still doing some tests whether we want to go ahead with that because Madagascar temperature, humidity and so on. Mm -hmm. But it's it's super, it's super interesting. And, you know, uh, and I went to a conference last week, uh, which was about technology and construction. And the printers have evolved even further, to my surprise. Uh, so usually the earlier two printers I talked about need a flat bed, need a concrete, smooth finish uh, bed to sort of print on. The printer I just was recently introduced to is sort of a printer which is hung on a tension cable and does not need a flat land to print. Uh, so things are getting, you know, advanced day by day, which is super amazing. What is it that you gain if it's on the cable? I guess it means you just have more it opens up more opportunities for places that you can print on. In other words, if you don't have to have this either create a completely flat place or start with a completely flat place by being on the cable, you could, you could use up to build the foundation and then build on top of the foundation. Is that the idea? Yeah. So there are two advantages. I feel the first advantage is the height. Mm. I don't have a height limitation. I can print as tall. I can print on a rooftop of a building, right? Uh, so we discussed and brainstormed some back of napkin ideas with the with the guy who was working on it is like, how about let's say if there is, you know, let's say in New York, um, the coastline or Florida, especially the coastline um, where the sea levels are rising. And if we want to build a wall, which is uh, helping us, uh, you know, to, to, to get the water out or not make sure the water gets in mm -hmm. some sort of retainable wall. And can that wall be printed? which becomes a seat or it becomes, uh, you know, uh, a big wall or it becomes a rock climbing wall or, you know, so it, I think it could be integrated with more human experience, but also uh, can be built in a day. You yeah. know, if we, if we get to know like, oh my gosh, there's a hurricane warning or there's a flood warning and we just have 72 hours to do something, let's get rolling. Wow. That's almost like, um, I'd never thought about that where, not the exact same model, but if you had a Lego set, like you could just run up, mm -hmm. snap together the Legos. I mean, we're, we would come back to how permanent or not permanent it needs to be. But if you could, if you had the ability to just erect something um, mm -hmm. in in a uh, in a quick enough time, or or to you know just to, to military engineering does this all the time, where they will um, you know in a military campaign, you you have no idea where you've got to wage combat or do these other things so they have these com what they call combat engineers and they they have the ability to build and deploy mobile and temporary bridges mobile and temporary temporary barriers or what obstacles or whatever i'm not to, i don't want to introduce war into a conversation about um helping people but it, but it's that same idea of where you are responding to changing environmental conditions you're mm -hmm. erecting something that is probably temporary because it's serving a temporary need, but it can be made permanent um, mm -hmm. or whatever. Anyway, it's, it sounds like it's, you know, not the exact same, but the same kind of concept. I think it's a great analogy. I feel I, I, I'm in love with Legos. I have like three big boxes and I, <clears throat> that's what I do for work at the office play with <laughs> Legos. Uh, I think it's a great analogy because it is so subtle in a way that it is fixed, right? It's just a brick, but the, but it leaves 
up to you how to be creative with it mm-hmm. uh i can make a castle i can make a bridge i can make a wall uh i think that's that's really the most uh appealing part of legos to me uh mm-hmm. i also think that you know what you're talking about the military thing and this comes back or so, sort of relates back to me practicing architecture at two four fronts mm-hmm. uh, and they're both necessary and i will i'll explain you why okay uh, so let's take 3d printing for example mm-hmm. it was not made to build schools in madagascar africa right mm-hmm. uh 3d printing was made uh and i do it too all the time sort of explore and brainstorm with my colleagues uh if we want to go to mars i'm not debating we should or right. we shouldn't but if right. we want to go to mars uh we don't have human labor how will we make shelter there before we arrive right so 3d printing was actually thought like hey let's send a machine that will print stuff mm-hmm. and then um you know it sort of translated into okay can military use it to something and here's like tons of funding and things you can do with it mm-hmm. and as technology developed and became more open source like hey can we use it and actually save labor costs to help poor people or you know madagascar being an island does not have many resources mm-hmm. right so uh can we build shelters in case of for, for refugee camps can we build homeless shelters can we you know so so the it's like lego blocks i can do anything i want with it uh but i it has to be exposed to you know i think i i love this quote uh it says that uh the future is already here it's just not evenly distributed i think william gibson said that and it's always uh it's very fascinating to me That's a that's a great um quote. I heard one from a a guest of mine not long ago, Neil Martin. It wasn't his quote, he was quoting somebody else and he said, you know, to be one step ahead of everybody is to be a genius. To be two steps ahead of everybody is to be a madman. You know, people think you're crazy if you're mm-hmm. you know, you're too far ahead, you're a madman. Um but if you're a little bit ahead, you're like, god, you're so smart, you know. We live in this kind of crazy world i i know we're going to spend some time about technology but i want to back up a second and just talk about philosophy you talk about these two worlds um what mo, i've talked to a lot of i don't know why i'm stumbling here i've talked to a lot of architects not just on my show but just in life uh i think probably like most human beings they're pretty conscientious they're conscientious great human beings but it seems like there is a movement recently among the folks that i'm talking to about a social aspect of architecture it's not just erecting a building coming out of covid one of the things that we have is this crisis of big empty buildings of big empty spaces old old locations that um maybe they they served a need in a different era but they don't they don't work now and either how do we modify them or how do we tear them down and replace them with something that's better um more sustainable at least from an energy consumption or whatever so these are sort of the th- the areas that I'm hearing this I'm curious what led you to be involved in this area beyond just the building of things which would be really interesting but why help some of the applying your craft in a more in this social area whether it's through the not for profit or I'm sure it influences your other job as well what's caught your imagination in there that's those are great points i definitely agree with you that recently there has been a shift uh of how to respond and you know especially these two big pillars which is the social aspect and the sustainable aspect um are are influencing quite a bit uh to be honest with you i think architecture or any business not just architecture even the podcast any business on earth anything on earth is very human centric mm-hmm. what would buildings do without human beings right mm-hmm. so without human beings uh there isn't much like i i can make the taj mahal or you know the tallest building in the world but without people to use it or experience it there is no point and you know it reminds me of um, oliver elison who's who's the artist who says that his artwork is uh even art right like if i am not there to experience it there is no art it's right. everything is sort of a mirror to to look into yourselves so first of all like what influences me why did i do it um i was very fortunate to travel 
quite a bit and sort of see the uh the the differences of how people have been living on the same planet and to be honest with you this is a system which is created by human beings right today if there is poverty there is even uneven distribution of resources there is capitalism or you know whatever it is it is all created by human beings too so that is also very human centric mm-hmm. right it's just from a different approach um in fact even climate change uh so you know recently i think in 2021 i was fortunate enough to go to germany and and um, go to uh, switzerland with a professor of mine to do some research uh for climate change uh and we met some you know different people from from you know they had this bu- they had these portfolios of different countries and how much gdp they have how much carbon emission and and what not um and we got access to the software or sort of a supercomputer where you could load in the numbers and it will run overnight and tell you how much temperature have you reduced mm-hmm. uh and so we sort of negotiated and made teams and said okay if you do this if i do this and you know blah 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 and um we would collect that information feed it in the computer uh our target was to reduce the climate change uh, the reduce the temperatures by negative 2.3 degrees celsius and i think we were able to do it by 0.6 <laughs> which was wow. a big failure yeah. uh however on my flight back from germany uh, <clears throat> i was very depressed mm-hmm. and i was very uh you know because there is a time limit to it Mm-hmm. if we don't react within that um mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to turn it around mm-hmm. um however i do think that this could also there could be a silver lining maybe mm-hmm. this is what can bring people together and there is unfairness you know for example we looked at the portfolio of china and there was like so much carbon emission mm-hmm. and but we when we talked to those delegates and they were like i do all the dirty work i am producing your iphones i am producing your cars you are not doing any of that mm-hmm. uh when we talked to the to the african or third world countries and like all of those things and they were mentioning you guys in in america and europe i mean earth was filled with trees you guys had your uh industrial revolution if i must and we did not and mm-hmm. now that we want to do it we cannot because the entire temperature is controlled by the trees we have mm-hmm. right so they are not allowed to have a industrial revolution if if i say mm-hmm. um so i think there is there is sort of this tension but i think i think climate change might and i'm being too optimistic mm-hmm. climate change might help us sort of blur the boundaries of nations and figure out a solution together and i can start seeing this in a, in the new generation i myself have lived in so many countries and uh you know have so many international friends who do not care what country i am from what color mm-hmm. i have they care about hey what are you doing with your nonprofit i can help you i speak 10 languages i can be a translator mm-hmm. you know so so people are very uh they will come together and i think climate change might bring that uh as a response to that you know on my forefront of the the day job architecture we are also dealing with climate change right and what we are doing there is sort of thinking how can we be more resilient you know uh simple things let's say a flood hits chicago uh let's actually sit and logically plan for it right and so we would look at a big map and i'm i'm going to point out okay these three hospitals need to be up and running no matter what Mm-hmm. so what do we do let's move the generators from the basement to the roof you know it, it, things like this let's let's take care of our banks casinos i don't care as much right <laughs> so casinos uh, and I, liquor stores i don't know you might need those for people to survive but yeah i yeah, yeah. i agree I, i in fact you know like one of the another depressing <laughs> things that 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 sort of like shook me a little bit was when i was reading the stats after covid the two things that were sold out from the market was toilet paper and guns. Mm-hmm. And so I mean that was it says something about us, right? Well, uh, when fear rules, you know, this is um I mean this is all of human history when fear rules, when mm-hmm. we when we and and I'm not um without going too far down this, when fear rules human beings anywhere on earth in any age in history, we behave a certain way we we become very tribal we become very um 
uh, protective, right? We do mm-hmm. that uh, in the American West, in countries and civilizations through all time when fear rules. And that was a scary time. We look back on it now sometimes saying, what were we so afraid of? But it, you know, it was a scary time. Yeah. Guns and toilet yeah. paper. I, I, I agree. But, you know, there's, uh, look, let's talk about architecture in that realm, right? Yeah. So the uh, you know they made a um, within nine months to twelve months they sort of worked uh, the companies worked together to develop and design and construct a building uh, for Pfizer which actually produced the vaccines mm. the, the office I'm working at right now that, did that and and I was like that is what we need to do to get mm-hmm. together use our crafts progress in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is super important for us to, you know, even technology, like technology is a useful servant, but it's also a dangerous master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to understand what is our, as a, you know, let's talk about construction industry, right? How many young people do you see wanting to get into the industry for actually doing construction? About the same number as want to be a farmer, almost none. <laughs> exactly. And, and yet we need food. We need food. I, right. I believe farmers are going to be the richest people in the coming years right. because there's going to be scarcity. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, how can we think differently? Uh, a lot of young kids today are video game players, right? They mm-hmm. like playing video games. Why don't we integrate robotics? You know, why don't we integrate digital construction and sort of give it a... Um, a look and feel of like, hey, you can play a game and earn millions of dollars. Right. You know, so can we be innovative and can we push and pull the limits and see, okay, we need to move here as a society. Let's innovate. And then we need to change the direction and let's innovate. So I think that's that's something which we need to do. I hope so. I, I You know, where you said that, I, my, one of my kids, um, while technically an adult, she is an adult, one of the things that she loves even from her youth is messing around with her friends with Minecraft. And if if there's mm-hmm. one thing she loves to do is build in that thing. And I, I remember probably within the last six months asking her, well, why? what about this very simple game? I, when I was a kid, I was a video gamer. Um, believe it or not, they had video games even back then and then later a computer gamer. And um, I've moved away from that back to board games, which I like the social aspect. I like to look at you, Yash, while I steal your town and have you sitting across the table from me, table from me weeping. I don't want to hear you in my headset. <laughs> I want you weeping in front of me. Um, and then we can have some tea and hang out and you can get revenge in the next game. But she loves to build. And that's what she said. Papa, I just love to build and I can I can I can dive down and build, I can build out, I can shape my landscape, like I can do all these things with my livestock. And it finally kind of clicked in my brain. She's part puzzle solver, part creative, um, you know, one of the most natural things to human beings that we try to beat out of them when they first go to school is the interest to create. One of the things that I have thought or been exposed to a lot back where you started before coming back from your conference and talking to the delegates from other countries really is a catch 22. And I don't know that on in our conversation today, maybe we come back to it later um, in another conversation. Here's the, one of the big dilemmas is in some of these other countries that are making the devices, if we in the West said, okay, we'll, we'll start making those ourselves. All of a sudden we just took their economy away. Even things that were made in China aren't made in China anymore. They've moved to other less expensive markets. And and the Chinese people are feeling the manufacturing move or COVID's changed a number of behaviors. And so it's this, it's this interconnected thing. Like, how do we figure this out? Even in the States, what used to be built in Chicago, the meat packing plants in Chicago aren't there anymore. They've moved, not necessarily out of the country, but to other parts of the United States or Detroit, not far from you. Um, that football team, your compatriots there in Chicago love to scream at twice a year. Um, back, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, those were the heart of America and some of the heart of the manufacturing of the world. And they've moved. And so you have this and it's impacted the local economy and, you know, all these other things. So it's complicated. I don't know that we're going to solve it now, but at least we need to have the conversation about what is it that we're trying to accomplish 
because we're all on spaceship Earth. It is. It is a challenge. However, I think uh, I, I agree to all the things you've you've brought up, and you know there are catch twenty twos. There are catch twenty twos in so many ways in all the conversations you've meant. You know, right from who wants to do that kind of work. Second, who uh, you know, what kind of waste is being produced, and and so on and so forth. However, I do think. And this is a weird quirk I have when I, I don't have answers for situations which are bigger than myself or uh, I cannot solve them. I look upon for inspiration in nature, right? For example, look at all the trees and plants and animals, uh, anything but human beings. And there mm-hmm. are way more plants on earth than human beings, mm-hmm. right? And how do they work? And someone's waste is someone's gold. Mm-hmm. And they found a way that there is no waste, uh, and they've had a circular sort of economy going on. That hey, if I'm going to produce this because I don't need it, you're going to take it and make something out of it, and then you produce something else which is going to be someone else's food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think can we figure out a way and bring peace uh, in a way that okay, if America is producing X and then China needs it. And then China takes it and does something, and you know this might happen in the future, where when we talk about, um, uh, you know, energy like, like solar energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definitely certain places which have more geographical advantage to capture sun than others. Mm-hmm. Now, can we figure out a way to build a network where even if it is captured in the equator, it can go to the Arctic or or whatever, right? Right. So I think there is a way, but. I think we are humans and I think we have that um, there will never, you know, if there is democracy and peace, there will be an opposition. Mm-hmm. And if there is an opposition, there will be conflict. And mm-hmm. if there will be no conflict, there will be no progress. Right. So I think it is all sort of like needed and it's all a part of evolution. Um, but I just try to look at it from a more optimistic perspective. Yeah. I almost said, well, we humans are competitive where plants and trees aren't, but that's not entirely true. I mean, you see in nature, um, there is a form of competition. It's a natural competition, and things, some things choke out other things. Um, and sometimes, you know, if there's a bunch of, um, if you look at, for example, uh, the African plains where you have um, a certain number of predators and a lot of prey, well, if the, if the predators dro- die off, um, eventually the prey herds will get corrupt because the disease and all kinds of things spread through them. If the prey herds dry off, the predators die off. So they have this symbiotic relationship and they, they yes. keep each other in a perfect situation. And we live in an imperfect place, but it, they keep each other this, this balance. And there are real winners and losers in nature. And I'm, I'm not suggesting human beings are the same thing, but you'll see that if a, if a food source, whether whether we human beings impacted that food source going away or it's just the natural cycle of things. there I've, Somebody was telling me the other day how many extinction events there have been on Earth. So whether that happens in nature with plants or with animals or whatever, I just think that if we bring our cognitive ability and look at that, um, maybe we stop. One of the biggest things with climate change is maybe we stop building where fires are coming through. Maybe that would be a good thing. Or maybe we stop building where sinkholes are collapsing, whatever the reasons are, but these things are changing and we're causing our own uh, natural I disasters. But I, I do, I, I agree with you. And I also think that, you know, human beings should reevaluate what intelligence is. I don't believe that when we say, oh, an animal or a bee or whatever is not intelligent, I totally disagree. And, you know, for example, I used to think uh, the, the red bird, the, you know, where all these amazing trees are there. And I used mm-hmm. to think they fight for sunlight and the tallest tree wants to. But mm-hmm. recently they have discovered uh, that, you know, if you introduce um, some sort of uh, bacteria or wood uh, affecting um, uh, insect to mm-hmm. one of the redwood trees on one end of the forest, within a day, the other end of the forest, and if you check the tree and check the sap and do the, the the research on it, you will see that it is starting to generate the antibodies for that insect. So they have a the, the roots root are infrastructure is all interconnected. So yeah. although they are fighting for sunlight and survival, but at what cost, right? 
right. not at a cost of like building missiles and right. nuclear, you know, whatever. Right. You know, we were we were thinking when we were doing the campus, and you know, Maggie and I discussed quite a bit on this. To uh, we built a hexagon shape for our first classroom, and why did we come up with that? And uh, of course, she has this whole concept of uh, honeybees and like you know. Uh, mm-hmm beehive and whatnot but if you but we did the research and scientifically tried to sort of justify and and think about it and we found out that hexagon is a shape which uh takes the least amount of material and provides the maximum amount of surface area Mm. and then we actually i got into this little rabbit hole and figured out why do bees make hexagon and it seems like they are super advanced civilization uh the reason they make hexagon is when you have 100 bees making the same structure, if I'm making a square rectangle or whatever, the other bee has to wait till I put this up to build on top. With hexagons, if I make half of it, her half of the hexagon or his half of the hexagon is already made, Mm. right? So it seems like they are smart enough to figure out how can we use less material, build together so no one has to wait for each other. And, you know, is able to store more amount of things into it. So I think there's so much inspiration. I don't know if you've heard of another example is, um, uh, this is a very famous example. I'm sure you heard of it. The the subway in Tokyo, it was designed by uh, uh, an amoeba. I did uh, not. Yeah, so what they do is, uh, it's some sort of bacteria or amoeba, which um, uh, what it does is, if you keep different food sources, uh, and it will start spreading out to to consume that food. And over time, uh, if you give it a day or two, you will start seeing more thought out networks of like, what's the least amount of length for me to get there, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of optimizing things. And so someone in, someone in, in Tokyo took the map of Tokyo and put food sources where they want the subway stations to be and then left out the amoeba. And in a day or two, the amoeba found the most optimized way and the direction of where to put the subway. So they really? found it. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how, you know, even the trains in, in Tokyo and in Japan are, um, they're so fast. And what happened was when they would go through a tunnel, they would create a sonic boom. Mm-hmm. And how can we solve it? And so the scientists looked at the most fastest bird and how the beak of that bird is and sort of the train's shape is now like the beak of the bird. So I think there is like sources of inspiration and what we think is intelligent has to be reevaluated. As an arch, now is that an architectural question? Is it an engineering, what you just described? And the reason why I asked that, it seems like tools are enabling people in these disciplines, an engineer to become more architect-like, an architect to become more engineering like or maybe even have all of these collapse down into um, like like a person instead of being very dis- I have these very distinct roles where I I do this and then it gets handed off to this per- or whatever but they they're more integrated if not completely um, collapsed and the tools are helping to enable that it um, what you just described seems like those things could come together in a fuller way than they have before. Yeah, and I think that's the shift I'm seeing in the industry right now. Uh, the most successful people have, uh, I would say, are at crossroads, are at the intersection of two different or three or maybe more expertise, right? Someone who is interested in uh, architecture and is interested in space could be a space X architect. Someone who is interested in, you know, and and you would see this like earlier in the 1950s and 30s or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Architects would do everything. Um, they would. We did not have as many consultants as I have on the job now. If you mm. look at the consultant list, it is crazy. There's a structural, mechanical, engineering, plumbing. <laughs> Uh, and then there's special expertise within those. If I'm making a, a, there's an acoustic engineer, there's, it's just crazy how many expertise we have within the field. And I think it's beneficial to specialize, but now I'm seeing the trend coming back, like they, because they are becoming so siloed Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can, it's also like cross pollination of, Hey, that idea might work here with this, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of coming back to that cross section of, um, 
uh, you know, like social impact, like I am trying to run a nonprofit because I had these experiences and met these people and so on and saw that they can actually build very smartly than we do. Mm-hmm. And can and and it's like very uh, it's sustainable using local materials. I think everyone has a talent to be, uh, you know, to be their best. It's just the system first of all, which is kind of conflicting it. And I think mm-hmm. coming back to our industry point, there is definitely the people who are going to be successful and rich, and and rule ahead would be at crossroads or intersection of different expertise. Uh, because they can now think in a third angle in a, you know, there have been so many new industries, like, for example, someone who is a programmer who writes codes uh, can be an architect, you know, and we are doing that. We have some people in the nonprofit who we are working together with. Okay. If this is a 3d printed wall, we're going to make, can we apply coding to optimize it? Mm -hmm. So what it does is it will create, uh, let's say if I create stress on this, or if mm-hmm. I sit on my chair, uh, you know, traditional buildings also, you, you will see the columns and beams and you will see them at 90 degree angles. That is not how stress goes, right? Mm. Stress will be more somewhere and less somewhere. So can we take it in a simulated environment and say where we need more concrete, let's put it there. Where we do not need it, let's take it away. And we saved, I think, at least 60% of the material in it. And now that's happening at every level from chairs to Nike shoes, to um, architecture, to buildings, to cities. Uh, so it's it's pretty amazing how these, you know, a programming person can write codes to optimize our buildings. So it's, it's amazing how things are just uh, so overlapping each other. What happens when I, there's a tool and I can just walk into my, you know, I can just go, I can just say to the computer, hey, I want a home that looks like this, that is, um, you know, that, that serves this function. <clears throat> I don't go to an architect in the same way that I want a song for my movie that's this, and I don't go to an artist or I don't go to, um, you know, I don't go to a composer. I just, I just tell the machine and it, and in what the machine has done is gone out and evaluated billions of images of, of buildings <clears throat> and it categ- it takes metadata then and categorizes them as what t- what's their function, where are they located, what environments are they in, et cetera. And so on the one hand, I get this, hopefully in the best form of it, I get this creative expression where I can just, without a lot of bureaucracy, just tell the tool what I want and it gives me a, a design or a something and I say, yeah. And, it, and the backend Intel already has in there you know, it will, it, you can build it in this material in the environment that you're in. Like you, you wouldn't build something from the sub-Sahara desert in uh, Alaska. They probably won't mm-hmm. work in the same way because of these conditions. So anyway, that's all built in there. Like all the, all the parameters of the soil mm-hmm. and the whatever. But I've just eliminated somebody's job. I've just eliminated some like, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. We don't sit around and make wagon wheels anymore. A computer does that or a machine does that. And the people who used to do that are still gainfully employed. They just do other things in other places. I mean, all throughout all of human history, you know, you just eliminated the brick makers. And you, you know, I know, but now they're doing something else. They're, they're in a different part of the food chain. There are a lot of discussions around whether that's really going to be true the way that some of these tools are going to disrupt. And I, I've covered that in a couple podcasts. So I don't want to go too far to today. What I do want to get into, though, is this idea of <clears throat> when we talk about, when we have this intersection of kind of future architecture and the tools that are available, not just the software code, but the 3D printing tools or whatever. And we were talking about slums earlier, but whether it's slums or just anything, I mean, I love the idea of having a home where I or a, or a location and be able to say, you know what, I want a, um, I want a, I want a room that emits my mom, my mom, my wife would call it a Florida room. So she's familiar with these rooms that are a lot of glass. So mm-hmm. when we, I'm in Atlanta, we don't get a, an Illinois cold like you guys do, but it gets, it's cold outside right now at the time we're recording this. It's just above freezing. And it's kind of gloomy, and she'd love a nice room that's mostly glass that lets in the sunlight, but not the weather. And she can sit out there, 
And man, I'd really like a rainwater catch to catch a lot of water to subsidize my home and do these other things. And I'd like, I think it'd be great to be able to go to a program and say, or even if I went to an architect and say, hey, you got my blueprint of my property and my home online, and I just go choose from a library of things, and we can have something printed and just attach to my, you know, and I, I know I'm being oversimplification, I'm not an architect. But just like in some way, I just snap some more Legos together and and they connect to this thing. The tabs are already there and I've got the ability to add it or down the road, I, I don't need the in-law suite anymore or I don't want to convert that. And I don't want to do more harm to the environment than I do good by removing it. But I want to be able to remove this thing that's no longer functional. I want to, how, how, what's the potential of that? on the horizon with the tools and the philosophy that we have in your world? Uh, that's a great, that you are very creative. I would say, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's good sometimes to not have a formal education on something cause you're not, you don't hold the same biases. So I, I like your example. Uh, I do, before I answer that, I do want to just quickly in two seconds respond about the, the, uh, the thinking about taking the jobs away. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we need to get rid of that thinking, to mm. be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, before in, in, in the entire world, they used to, there were horse carts and right. someone would like sit and make wheels and carts and horses right. and someone would shovel shit from the street. Right. And now we introduced cars right. and suddenly the whole job market goes away. No one's shoveling shit, but it's good. The You know, then we ran into other problems like, oh, people are getting hit when they're crossing the street, Right. Okay, figure out. Let's figure out another solution. Let's create sidewalks and crossroads and and signals and you know walking paths and define blocks. And now we have solved that problem, right? right. But someone had this. Someone who might have lost a job from the horse cart could be solving these problems, right? You have to free yourselves from this thinking and freaking getting stuck to this job ideology. And this is what has started schools too, which really saddens me. That get a job go, you know, do your master's, get a, why be right. a creative, you know, have some freedom. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, talking about what you asked, um, about how can, can we go to an architect or, a, 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 a an AI machine or whatever to sort of give us these solutions. I see that is totally, that could totally happen. I think, uh, as architects, we have explored a lot of these things, not with AI, but like there has been modular architecture. There has been, you know, um, in every field, uh, there has been these different sort of segments of like, hey, can we make precast concrete, which is just make it at the factory and put it together? Can there be like we do shipping containers for homeless people? Mm. Can we actually, uh, you know, get shipping containers because it's easier on a truck and you bring them and can we figure out a way that you put them on top of each other and just had add a plumbing, uh, you know, or an electric thing to it where you just plug it in and it's a plug-in home you know right um oh and i need more space so can i add another container next to it or whatever right i'm giving right. the most dumbest examples sure. uh but i do think that the 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 uniqueness is or the challenge here is uh with 3d printing uh you can make it unique you can make it what you want it to be for yourself and doesn't need to be made in a factory, right? Mm -hmm. So we are sort of advancing into more customization of things. And we can see that with every software evolving to like the more power you get to change things, uh, the more precise you get, you know, like I am currently work, like we have a competition at our office to produce uh, uh, AI images using um, uh, one of the tools. I forget the name. It's very similar to chat GPT. Dali. Uh, yeah, it produces or something these, like that. Yeah, it produces yeah. these images, uh, and the more hashtag, no, no, the more prompts you put in, right. the more precise it gets. And yeah. now we have a library of like cinematic, 4K, beautiful, blah blah blah. And then right. you know, and then you produce these cool things, and then we are like, okay, how can we re-explore living together? Can we live? Can a building um, be more like in a rock or a cave or you know? I don't know, but can we explore things we have not done before? Um, right. And and I do see that in the in the near future, it might. You know, I'm not afraid that it might take my job. It it if it there are actually softwares which can design a lot of things right now. You know, mm -hmm. they might not be 
very precise, but they're almost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell them what you want and they'll give you a layout. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can you can just kind of click on things you want and it will give you a solution or like, hey, you need three bedroom. This is the, you need a two bedroom. This is the layout. This is the mm-hmm. most efficient layout. Mm-hmm. And we use it sometimes like when we're doing parking, right? I will write a code and it will run thousand iterations and tell me the most efficient efficient way to park a uh, hundred of cars in this basement or whatever. So the, we are almost already there. Um, I do think it will free up our mind to like, let's explore housing because it has never, ever, ever been rethought. It's yeah. always thought like, oh, I live in a cave or a one bedroom apartment or a 5,000 square feet house, or it's always a box, matchbox you're living in. And can we get rid of that and you know, maybe live like the blue people in Avatar. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I would, I, if I could fly one of those birds, then I'm all in. You know, it, but where it leads, I, it, you get me thinking about, like, if we start exploring possibilities, not just the shape of our homes. For example, I would love to be able to say, um, load into a system. Here is, here's the digital twin of my house. And here's the soil content of my property. And this is where the septic or the sewer or whatever, like here's the parameters. And by the way, here's the code of the county or the city that I live in. So, you know, boundaries and, you know, Mm -hmm. what's allowed or whatever. And so it it just is uploaded pretty easy. Um, Maybe when it's originally built, that's all uploaded. And then I could say, you know what I'd really like? Like, I'm not particularly imaginative. I want a, I want to expand this in some way, or I want to convert a garage into something and I can just go into the database and I I place the order and I know it's going to fit all the code and everything's going to work. And it goes to, in this case, a factory that's wildly efficient, that can print up the panels, that can print up the things that I need, put it on a delivery device that's delivered to me, and they click and snap them together in a way that it's beautiful and attractive and as... as um, as solid and weatherproof as any stick-built home ever made. So that's one thing. The second is, how does it change? What if I want to live like in a hobbit hole? Or what if I want to live in a community of, you know, interconnected caves? Or Mm -hmm. um, YouTube's full of people taking these shipping containers and putting them together. That wouldn't really be my thing. But I just mean that how could it change what our town looks like, what our city looks like, what our office buildings look like, what our community looks like, um, everything from uh, the materials that we use to the shape that we, um, the shapes that we end up with. I mean, it, it, there's all kinds of possibilities. Do you the, think about that as an architect? 100% all the freaking time. That's what I'm doing <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think that is definitely what, where we are sort of heading into. Uh, you know, and how I, when, when I got into introduced to AI and 3D printing and technology, you know, I spent a month exhausting myself with, oh, you know, uh, same things you were saying, like this, this Ford 150 with like, uh, you know, all the ornamentations are like right. the craziest things I could think of until I exhausted myself. And I'm like, okay, all my human desires are out and now right. let's sit logically and think what I would do. And, you know, AI is very, it's a, any, any technology is an ally, right? So mm-hmm. let's say if you're, if you're, you know, your county information is there and it might also say, oh, I know your climate because I took your climate data from the government, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Uh, I took how much rain you're going to get. I already know how much water you consume. I know how much electricity you consume. You might need X number of solar panels mm-hmm. and a drone freaking comes and delivers it to you or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And and you can see examples. I think one of the architects sort of worked with uh, uh, Toyota. Uh, yes, it's called the Toyota City where they have a basement which is connected throughout the, uh, you know, and the, and the basement, uh, the whole city, it's a small two, three, four city blocks and they're mm-hmm. all connected and the, the whole basement is connected. And the entire basement is transportation, is delivering drones and whatnot and you're in your apartment and you say oh i want this food and the drone is taking it underground and it pops up uh, like a gar- like a garbage shoot or whatever right like it pops up and then you have your food uh 
and you don't even need and the whole ground floor is just full of trees and um you know no roads no cars nothing it's a beautiful mm. way to live and you know maybe crazy enough to say that on the 50th floor there is a train running from building to building uh you can just pop into it uh so i i think there is immense potential and you would see different kind of weird cities you know like what yeah. if we launch a competition to all the architects engineers non architects non engineers uh can you design four city blocks and think as crazy as you can right mm. and you can use these ai tools to make it and and think about it like what i would do i would make a net zero net positive home right how much energy i consume i produce it how much food i consume i produce it the waste i produce is actually used to produce more food right mm-hmm. and and that's happening already but it is so segmented uh, i'm working on a project at the office for um uh they produce foods uh they produce like these lettuce and uh you know so on in a in a factory and they even utilize the water that is evaporated from the leaves and reuse it Wow. and they 96% like the things the seed comes in is also sustainable the soil is sustainable like everything is so reusable that uh we did a and I'll cross check this fact before you post it but they can actually use uh they can use a jug of water and kind of keep using it throughout the year wow because that's all they would need so i think all of these things sort of exist but they are in fragments and what ai is going to do like internet is collectively bring them all these ideas together and i'd be like i never thought about it mm-hmm. but i can use it right can we 3d print can the 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 train engine have a 3d printer in front of it and just print the rails while it's going like i don't know you know <laughs> we're going i want to end in a up, upbeat no but i want there's a real thing i think we need to ask ourselves and that is every science fiction show or movie that I've ever loved has something like what you've described with the Toyota Sea like this really cool imaginative thing and the 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 tunics that we wear and it's all these different types and colors and shapes of people and there's this it looks fantastic and it's for 1% of the population and the mm-hmm. other 99% is down in the lower city or they're out in the wastelands and they're because they don't have access to this amazing opportunity for whatever the setup is in the story or show and i'm wondering like how do, of all these things we're talking about how do we go to a slum in mumbai how do we go to the appalachian mountains of uh america how does this happen in rio de janeiro where um we we uh, we bring opportunity to the most vulnerable among us and overcome some of these things that uh you know just within their own communities all communities on earth we have this unfortunately the skill of marginalizing people and kind of pushing them they're not as valuable or they don't you know i think the real danger is not that the computers will begin to think like men i think <clears throat> the real danger is how the men will begin to think like computers in what uh, way uh so, so I, yes in every every show we you know whether it is rick and morty or <laughs> whether right. it is a sci-fi film <laughs> we got know. a rick and morty reference and that's amazing <laughs> so yeah. whatever it is uh yes we always see these marginalized people and it is happening today too right, right. whether it, even if it's a car or sure. even if it's a airplane or what not and and we have to be very mindful of how technology um okay technology has evolved now we can have cars which run on batteries and absorb solar power in this process to make sustainable energy have we made lithium the next gold have mm. we are we still in the same mindset of resource exploitation right mm-hmm. are there still people mining lithium or whatever right like so has have things changed or not not really right so uh you know i think that is on us human beings and not technology to rule yeah. other people because when there was no technology they were still slaves yeah and i believe they still exist in yeah. so many ways i mean i'm in some ways like slave right. to someone right, right. uh 
So uh, I think the what technology is helping us do though is bringing a fair ground to us, right? Like how women have were n- not as empowered as they are today to kind of do jobs, which you know, and back at that age you couldn't imagine, right. or you know, bringing a fair ground to like people in Madagascar now. Uh, the kids who are growing in those schools are understanding what 3D printing technology is and how can I use it in 10,000 more creatives way than that guy from that nonprofit, right? right? So I think technology is an ally. It helps, it will actually help us rise against all these, uh, you know, crazy things. Um, Yeah. uh, I would just say it can't be an accidental ally. Like it, it requires you and I, that have a lot in common, but there's probably a lot we don't have in common, but I'll bet you we have a lot in common in terms of what we hope for for the world, what we, how we hope to make an impact, et cetera. I, I just don't want to, um, I think that if we're not cognizant, and one of the things we talked about at the very beginning of this is how powerful tools are. What that means to me is if we're not careful because they're so powerful, like if you were messing around with this as a kid, you know, two thousand years ago with a stone axe, or ten thousand years ago with a stone axe, you could you could hurt yourself and maybe a few people around you. Um, but but and the stone axe is very important. It helped transition human beings into um, more efficient, more effective hunters and gatherers and defending their property and all these other things. Flash forward ten thousand years to now. I have a weapon that I can use that would help me get much more, you know, efficient hunting. Yes. Yeah. But I can also do terrible damage. If I don't know how to use that weapon or I'm mentally ill or all the other circumstances we see, I can go out and lay waste to a huge swath. And we're not even talking about bombs or anything like that. So in the same way with these software tools, if, if we don't, if we're not um, paying attention to them, you and your community, me and my community, both our professional and personal communities um, they can accidentally or on purpose wreck havoc instead of hope. And I just want to make sure that as we go, there's a reason why these communities are represented the way they are in all of these different shows, because historically that's, that's yes. happened. We have yes. these slums that come along. And so we just need to be really aware of how do we apply these things. I that, agree. I think this is great because it brings us back the whole circle, you know, yeah. before we close down. And that is that, it is human centric, whether it is a stone axe or a drone full of armies or whatever, right? right. Um, weaponized drones, it is in a hand of human beings. And that is constant. Like when you said, I'm going to go and tell AI, I need this crazy house and it's going to give me four options. At the end of the day, it is still human centric because you are the one giving inputs. Yeah. You can also say, I need four missile launchers on my house. And then you also are in control of like, hey, these give it gave me four options. Which one do I want to choose? Right? right. So without humans like art, like architecture, technology is useless. Right. And uh, I think, yes, we have to be very, very thoughtful, cognizant. Uh, I think that is what humans can do and not machines. Yeah. We have empathy. We have thoughtfulness. We have care and emotions and you know, it's a crazy thing. I'll tell you a little thing. Yesterday we were having lunch and my colleague was telling me about some of his or her friend who has this uh, sort of disease or, uh, you know, where he doesn't get tired. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, oh, that's amazing. I could work all the time, right? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I sat on it and I slept on it and I thought about it. And I'm like, no, I want to get tired. I want to take a cool, cold shower and go to sleep. You know, every emotion on earth, I want to experience heartaches and I want to experience falling in love. And like all these things make me human being and machines can never, ever understand that at least least till I live, right? So I think empathy, being thoughtful, doing work, at all different communities, learning from them. Cause I've seen people in Madagascar with literally no shoes or even in India or anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Are happier than people who are here who have like properties and planes and whatnot, right? So at the end of the day, what defines us as a human being is important. And I would I would rather close out by saying like the, I think the only true wisdom is knowing that we know nothing. Right. And and be humble and approach people and help people and be kind and 
you know, use technology to help and be more kind. Uh, so just turn around the example you gave, like a stone axe to impacting a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Now let's put it in a perspective of helping people, right? I was using two stones to to make fire, but now I can create this amazing use technology to help give everyone electricity, give everyone food, give yeah. everyone housing. Can we can we be rooted into those things and those emotions and actually use technology, turn it around, help people so that when they are helped and they are at a same level as we are, they can help more people. And then you just keep multiplying the effect. Yeah, that's the goal. That's my hope. Well, fingers yes. crossed. Fingers crossed. Be uh, a Rick, not a Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on the show today. It was a great conversation. If people want to learn more about you, you're not for profit and the things that you're up to, how can they, uh, how can they find out more? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. It was great talking to you. I could totally see us sitting, having a whiskey in a bar and just yeah. going on for a couple of hours. Uh, uh, they can definitely access our Instagram page. Uh, the Instagram handle is defining humanity, or they can go to our website, which is uh, www.defininghumanity.org uh, okay. and you know we're doing work in globally in different countries uh, there's another non-profit in India uh, the website is www.rdet.org which would which is solving different issues in a different country with different solutions uh, I think people might enjoy looking at that and help us maybe okay perfect Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed the conversation. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, please like. And if you love this conversation, please subscribe. We'll see everybody next time on the QTS Experience. Take care.